So this morning, I'm going to preach on a passage that I, I looked it up. I've preached on the same passage two other times already at Grace Church. I guess this is one of my favorites, but it's just coming up next in Luke, so I, I had to do it, all right? Um, now, I'm not going to preach the exact same sermon, although there will be similarities, but I, I think that's okay for two reasons. One is a lot of you are new, and so this will be the first time that you've, you've heard me preach on this passage, but also, even if you've heard this before from me, uh, the truths that Jesus teaches us in this passage are truths that we need to hear again and again and again and again. So with that in mind, let's look at Luke chapter 11. Now, most all of us are familiar with the Lord's Prayer, which is included in the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus preached publicly in Matthew chapter 6. But there's another time when Jesus gave a shorter version of that prayer privately just to his disciples. And that's here in Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. So let's look at these first four verses of today's passage where Jesus answers the question, what should we pray about? What should we pray about? We all know that we should be devoted to prayer, so what should we pray about? And as we look at these verses, I want you to be thinking about your prayer this last week, your, your, your devotion to prayer. What were some of the requests that you brought before the Lord? What were some of the ones that you brought before the Lord the most frequently? And are the things that you brought before the Lord this past week, how do they match up with the topics that Jesus gives us to pray about here in these first four verses? So let's start with verse 1. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John, that's John the Baptist, taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Now, I'm sure you noticed that the, the wording here is slightly different from the wording of the Lord's Prayer that we are all used to reciting together from Matthew chapter 6. And I think that that shows us something important. The differences of wording, what that shows us is that what's important is not necessarily using the exact same words. There's nothing wrong with quoting the Lord's Prayer, praying the Lord's Prayer exactly as it is in Matthew 6. But that's not Jesus' main point. The main point Jesus wants us to understand is the similarity of topics. These are the sort of topics that he is calling his followers to pray about regularly. So what should we pray about? There's five topics here. First of all, Father, hallowed be your name. Now before we unpack that topic, just notice how simple prayer is. Father, simple, direct. You don't need to use fancy language. You can just turn to God in Jesus' name and say, Father. Now, a question that many might have, and we all need to be reminded of this, is how is it possible for sinful people like us to 
simply say Father and have the, the God of the universe who is perfect and beautiful and glorious, majestic, righteous, holy, how can sinful people like us address God as Father and have Him welcome us? How is that possible? It's not because of all the spiritual victories we've had this past week. Even if you've had a week of defeat, you can still address him, and he's right there. It's not because we've ministered in so many different ways this past month. The reason that sinful people like us can address God and have him welcome us is because of Jesus Christ, our Savior. He lived the perfectly sinless life. He died on the cross to pay for the sins of everyone who will trust him. And so when we pray in Jesus' name, which means we're relying on Jesus' worth, and Jesus' blamelessness and His shed blood on the cross to cover us and to pay for our sins, we're relying on Jesus, then the door is wide open. So when you pray with that in your mind, Father, immediately you have God's undivided attention and His arms are opened wide toward you. Isn't that amazing? You could be driving, you could be walking, you could be making dinner, doing the laundry, at work, or you may be sitting down to have a devoted time, lengthy time of prayer. Father, and as you're coming in Jesus' name, you have his undivided attention, and his arms are open wide to welcome you. It's a beautiful picture. Now, what does it mean to pray, hallowed be your name? The word hallowed is also the word sanctify. It has to do with the idea of God, display your glory. Show Abu Dhabi your beauty, your majesty in Christ. That's what we're praying for. And when we pray that, it's good to know that here's some of the ways that God does that. He, he displays the glory of His name in Christ by saving lost people. Because then they end up glorifying and praising Jesus. He does this by strengthening His church, sanctifying, purifying His church. That brings glory to His name. He does this by raising up new churches, planting new churches, advancing the gospel. So that's what we're praying when we pray, hallowed be your name. Display the beauty of your glory. So have you prayed that this past week? It's a powerful, beautiful, encouraging prayer to pray. I would encourage you to add that to your prayer list. Second, your kingdom come. Now what does that mean? Get the big picture. Because of our sin, going all the way back to Adam and Eve's sin in Genesis 3, ever since then, this world has been under Satan's rule. Under God's overall sovereignty, absolutely. But still, God has allowed the world to come under Satan's rule. It's Satan's kingdom which has been here ruling and oppressing and tormenting and enslaving humanity. But when Jesus came, he broke Satan's power when he died on the cross and rose from the dead. And so when we pray, your kingdom come, we're asking God, set Satan's captives free. Advance the gospel. Push back the powers of darkness. Let your kingdom come in greater measure and greater power. So I just want to call all of us, Grace Church, let's make that a significant part of our prayer, to labor in prayer. Let your kingdom come in the UAE. Here in Abu Dhabi, push back the powers of darkness. Pour out your saving work through Jesus. Save lost people. 
Let's pray that as a church. Your kingdom come. Third, give us each day our daily bread. This is amazing. Here, here we've gone from massively, cosmically huge prayers. Hallowed be your name. Let your kingdom come to, would you give us dinner tonight? And I love that. This, this is our God. This is our Father. There is no need you have that's too small to bring before Him. I want to stress this because there are believers, I've met them, maybe you've been them or you've met them too, who think, you know, we really shouldn't pray about our own needs, we should just pray about everything else. Well, do pray about everything else, but if you have these huge needs that you're feeling like for dinner or how are you going to raise your children better or your work situation, and if you just, I'm not going to talk about those because I'm supposed to, no, 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 you've got to bring what is most pressing in your heart, and so I would encourage you, Every need that you feel you should pray about. I mean, just ask yourself honestly, what needs have you had this past week that you did not pray about? We've all got some, I betcha. And the Lord says, bring them, bring them. Give us this day, each day, our daily bread. Fourth, and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Notice that followers of Jesus daily will need to ask God to forgive our sins. Do you see that here? This just came after give us our daily bread. That's a daily prayer. So this one is a daily prayer also. Forgive us our, our sins. Now, when Jesus saves us, he dramatically changes us. But we don't become sinless until heaven. Every day we sin. Listen, if you don't think that's true, ask God to show you. Pray Psalm 139, 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me. He will show you. We all sin every day, and so every day we need to confess our sins before the Lord. Now, a question that comes up from this prayer is, but weren't all of our sins, like past sins, present sins, future sins, weren't they all already forgiven the moment we put our trust in Jesus? And, and that is true. But what Jesus is talking about here is that when we saved people confess our sins, what God will do is He will bring us a fresh sense of the assurance that we've been forgiven. A fresh outpouring of His assuring love. A fresh sense that you are forgiven. He will give that to us as we pray, a fresh outpouring of assurance. But now notice that word for, forgive us our sins for, because we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. What that means is that our fresh assurance of forgiveness depends upon our forgiving other people. Now why? It's not because our forgiving other people earns assurance from God. It's because our forgiving other people shows that our faith in Jesus is genuine, shows that we are genuinely trusting Jesus, which is why we can be assured that we are completely forgiven by God. Do you see that? So some very important implications of this, and, and one is this. If you've not forgiven someone, then you should be 
deeply gripped with the seriousness of what Jesus is saying here. Because if you've not forgiven someone, if there's someone you are holding bitterness against, resentment, anger, revenge, then this passage would say that you do not have any reason to be assured that you've been forgiven for your sins because you don't see any evidence of saving faith in your heart. So what do you do? You turn to the Father and say, Father, help change my heart show me the cross so clearly my sin which was being punished in the horror of the cross your mercy which is displayed in the beauty of the cross humble me about my sin fill me with your mercy so i will be forgiving of other people and as you see the cross as you set your heart upon jesus christ loving you that way forgiving you that way the holy spirit will so grip you free you humble you fill you overflow you with his goodness that you will forgive everyone who's hurt you so grace church do we see that every one of us we need to be forgiving everyone who's hurt us and the lord will help you to do that as you turn to him fifth lead us not into temptation what does that mean it doesn't mean don't lead us into sin because god never leads his people into sin we don't need to ask him don't lead us into sin. But that word temptation can have another meaning. It can mean a situation where we would be tempted. And there are many times where God protects his people from situations in which we would be tempted. And so what we're asking God to do here is, God, protect me from situations in which I would be tempted, or if following your will, living a life of sacrificial, risk-taking love, sharing the gospel, if that means I'm going to be led into some tempting situation, maybe face some persecution or somebody mocking me or something, then strengthen me so I don't sin. That's what we're praying for here. Lead us not into temptation. Do you pray that regularly? Are, are you aware that if, if you go into the day without God's protecting hand, left to yourself apart from God's grace, we will all just run into sin the whole day long. You understand that? Remember the hymn, O to Grace, how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Let your goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Take my heart, take and seal it for your courts above. That's just a long way of saying, lead us not into temptation, okay? So every one of us, let's be praying that regularly. So that's what we should pray for, five requests. Now, look back over that list and notice which ones you, you pray for regularly, but especially notice which ones you, you don't. And let's add that to our prayers this week. Now, there's a second question that Jesus deals with in this passage. How should we pray? That's what we should pray for. Now, how should we pray? And look at what Jesus says starting in verse 5. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him, that friend, at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. Verse 8. Jesus says, I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything 
because he's his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. So here Jesus tells a parable to show us how to pray. It's a parable of a man who has an unexpected guest show up at midnight. Now, one of the things I love about the Middle Eastern culture we are in, one of the beauties of Middle Eastern culture is that when a guest, an unexpected guest, comes to a home, the door is opened, they are welcomed in, they are fed, they are loved, they are cared for. It's a beautiful thing, beautiful part of Middle East culture. And this man has an unexpected guest come to his house at midnight. And he has no food and the stores are all closed. So he goes to his neighbor and asks for three loaves of bread. But it's midnight. And so the the neighbor says, don't bother me. Go back home. I'm sleeping. No, you can't have three loaves of bread. Uh Uh-uh, not going to happen. Go away. But after a while, that neighbor changes his mind and gives him three loaves of bread. Now, why? Why does the neighbor change his mind? Jesus tells us in verse 8, I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Now Jesus uses that word impudence, and I think the reason he uses that, that word also has implications of persistence, but I think Jesus wants to doesn't want us to be rude, right? Impudence can imply rudeness. Don't be rude towards God. But Jesus wants to shock us a little bit and, and to wake us up with just how persistent we should be when we're praying. We should be relentless in our persistence. God, I'm back. Help me. Take care of this. Let your name be hallowed. Let your kingdom come here in Abu Dhabi. Father, look at the lost people. Come, work. That's what Jesus wants us to be doing. That's what this man did with the neighbors when he went to the neighbor's house. I I need three loaves. I've got an unexpected guest. Go away. I'm sleeping. Are you kidding? It's midnight. I'm not going to go away. I need three loaves of bread. I'm not going to go away. You're not going to go to sleep. I, I I need the three loaves. Okay. That's the picture that Jesus wants us to have. Humble relentless persistence. That's what Jesus is talking about here. Now, the point isn't that God doesn't want to help us. All through the Bible, we see that God delights to give good things to us. The very first time you pray about something, He's like, He's ready. But God, in His wisdom and love, sometimes He'll give us exactly what we're asking for the moment we ask for it, And other times he will wait. Wait. He will just simply wait. He's sovereign over everything. He can do whatever he chooses to do, whenever he chooses to do it. And sometimes he simply chooses to wait. Why? It's out of his love, out of his mercy. But I thought of a couple reasons. Maybe you can think of some other ones, but here's three that I thought of. One is, When we persist in prayer, praying again and again and again, our faith is tested and strengthened and grows. 
Second reason, when we persist in prayer, we're humbled because it becomes very clear to us that it's not our prayer that's doing anything. It will be God when he chooses to work. So we're humbled and he's glorified. Third reason, when we persist in prayer day after day, week after week, year after year, we have even more sweet fellowship with God who, in whose presence there is fullness of joy. So sweet fellowship with God as we persist in prayer. So how should we pray? That's what Jesus is answering here. And the answer is relentless persistence. Now why? Why should we pray that way? That's verses 9 through 13. Start with verse 9. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Now notice, three commands here. Ask, seek, and knock. It's exactly what the man with the unexpected guest was doing. He was asking the man. He was seeking the three loaves of bread. He was knocking on the door. And these Greek verbs are in the present tense. This is important to note here. And often, the Greek present tense verb form means continuous action. Continuous, like persistent action. And I think that is Jesus' intention here because of the previous parable where he's talking about persistence. So Jesus is saying, keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. Now why? Look at the promises that Jesus attaches to each of these commands. Keep asking, why? And it will be given to you. Keep seeking, and you will find. Keep knocking, and it will be opened. So why should we pray persistently? It's because God will always respond. Always. And to make sure we get this, Jesus, look what he says in verse 10. This is, this is such a powerful verse. I often, when I'm starting to head into some time of prayer, I will quote this verse to myself because so often my faith is wimpy and kind of flabby. And, and when, I, when I preach this verse to myself, it strengthens my faith. Here's what Jesus says. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks it will be opened and notice that word everyone did y'all catch the word everyone okay i like to say in the greek the word everyone means everyone okay it's right there so how many of those who ask receive grace church how many of those who ask receive everyone and of those who seek they will all find and everyone who knocks it will be opened. And so Jesus is promising us here. Remember the Mount of Transfiguration? God the Father came and said, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. I think the Holy Spirit just wants to say, Grace Church, listen to Jesus on this. Everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Now, if we've read much of our Bibles, at this point, we should have a question. And questions are good. It's good to say, well, wait a minute. 
aren't there times in the Bible where godly people who are full of faith pray for things to which God says, no? And the answer is, there are times like that. I mean, the one that's the most common, most obvious is, remember Paul's thorn in the flesh in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I would encourage you to read that passage this afternoon. What was the thorn in the flesh? I think it was probably some kind of a sickness. We aren't entirely sure, but it was something that Paul desperately, desperately wanted God to take away. So desperately that three times he prayed earnestly, passionately, Father, please look at me, take this away from me. Three times he prayed. And what did God do? God said, no, Paul. So how can Jesus here say, everyone who asks receives? I think the answer is in the next three verses. Verses 11 and 12, start there. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, Daddy, I'm hungry, can I have some fish? Will instead of a fish give him a poisonous serpent is the implication there. Father, any fathers? Dad, can I have some fish for lunch? Here's a poisonous snake, son. It's not going to happen, right? Or if he asks for an egg for food, we'll give him a scorpion, poisonous scorpion. So Jesus is saying if you pray persistently for something, God will never give you a serpent. If you pray persistently for a fish or an egg, he'll never give you a serpent, never give you a scorpion. In other words, when, when you pray persistently for something, God will never give you something worse than what you're asking for. Okay, you're asking for this, he will never give you something worse than what you're asking for. Okay, so then what, what will he do? Verse 13. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? It's beautiful. Every parent loves to give gifts to your children, don't you? Think about some previous Christmas where you had this, this gift for your daughter or for your son, and you were so excited to give it to them. Remember that feeling? Oh, this, see them open and see their delight. Okay, so take that delight that the parent has. That is nothing compared to the delight that God has when he gives good gifts to his children. That's what's being said here. It's beautiful. And the one gift that God always gives us is the gift of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is saying here. Now why? It's because of, of everything in the world, anything God could possibly give us, the gift of the Holy Spirit is by far the best gift God could give us because it's the Holy Spirit who makes the presence of God the Father and the, the presence of Jesus the Son real in our experience. So we move from just knowing truths about God and about Jesus to feeling, experiencing, knowing, tasting, sensing the, 
the love of the Father being poured into our hearts, the glory of Jesus shining in our hearts. And, and every follower of Jesus knows that when God gives you those tastes of the Holy Spirit so that you, you feel God's love, you, you experience Jesus' glory, there is no joy in the world that comes close to comparing to that. It's the far best gift God could possibly give to anyone. And He always will give that to us, is what Jesus is saying in verse 13. So let's put this together. When you pray persistently for something, God will never give you something worse than what you're asking for. He will always either give you exactly what you're asking for, the egg or the whatever the other one was, fish, or something even better. Better because through that, he's going to give you even more of the experience of the Holy Spirit making God the Father and Jesus the Son real to you. Now, that's what Paul experienced with the thorn in the flesh. Let's go back to that, 2 Corinthians 12. He prayed earnestly that God would remove this thorn in the flesh, three times earnestly, and, and God said to him, Paul, no, I'm not going to remove this because, Paul, in this thorn in the flesh you are going to experience more of Jesus' grace and power, His beautiful, gracious, powerful presence. You're going to experience more of Jesus than you would without this thorn in the flesh. And so how does Paul respond? He says, yes. Yes, then. He, I'll embrace this thorn in the flesh. I'll rejoice in my weaknesses if in those I can know more of Christ. So God didn't give Paul less than what he was asking for. He gave Paul more than what he was asking for, even more of the beautiful presence of Jesus in that thorn in the flesh. So here's what this means. I want this, this lesson to sink into us. Whenever you pray persistently for something, in Jesus' name, you will never get something worse than what you're asking for, ever. You will always, always get either exactly what you're asking for, and God loves to do that many, many times, or something even better. Better because it's going to bring you even more closeness with Jesus, the experience of God's very presence. Now here's an illustration. A few years ago I was praying just, Lord, what's the next steps for Grace Church? Thank you for all you've done. And, and it's like God brought this thought into my mind that we should be praying about planting an Arabic-speaking church here in, in Abu Dhabi. And I shared this with the elders. We talked about it. and feel like that's, let's, let's start praying for that because there's thousands of Arabic-speaking expat Christians here in Abu Dhabi, like from Jordan, from Syria, from Egypt, from Lebanon, thousands of Arabic-speaking Christians. We need many more Arabic-speaking churches. Plus, there's lots of other Arabic-speaking people who could be reached as well. So we started praying that God would provide an Arabic-speaking church planter. Praying, praying, persistently praying, God, do this. We don't know anybody. Raise somebody up. Bring us somebody. Do something. We were praying persistently, okay? And then one day, I shared with a friend in the U.S. that we were praying for this, and he said, I think I know just the person. Um, it's a couple who are living in Jordan, um, fluent in Arabic, powerful church leader, powerful preacher, powerful church planter. And uh, so he gave me, and in fact, as he described him, I said, I've met him. I knew him. 
So I sent him an email and said, here's, our, here's what we're praying for. Here's our vision. We're praying, praying. Oh, this, this is amazing. And he very graciously emailed back and said, no. Because what he was doing there, and he's, he's right, was so crucial, key. What God's doing through him is amazing. But I was disappointed that, oh, we, we prayed, we prayed, we prayed persistently, and, and here God says, no. But we knew that God never, if you ask for an egg, right, he never gives you a serpent. He's always going to give you either the egg or eggs benedict, right? Because it's going to be one or the other. We knew that. So we just kept praying, okay, bring it. And um, it was a few months later, I got an email from somebody I didn't know, didn't recognize the name, clicked on it, he introduced himself, uh, said he's living in Oman, um, somebody over there told him to email us, and uh, he said he wanted to come over with his wife and have coffee with Jan and me, and so they came over, we talked, and had the most amazing conversation. Uh, they've been studying Arabic from the States, fully supported, want to plant an Arabic-speaking church in Abu Dhabi. Can you help us? <laughs> Jen and I drove away from that appointment just thinking, wow, that was amazing. And Lord willing, in another month or two, they're going to be moving here. And now why did God do that? Every time we pray persistently for something, God never gives us less than what we're asking for. I was praying for that first person. Lord, have that person over in Jordan. This would be so great. But God never gives us less than what we're asking for. I mean, he would have been great. But God gave us something even better because that didn't come from anything we did. I didn't send any emails. We're just sitting here praying helpless. And all of a sudden, this email, bing, shows up in your, e in your inbox, which makes it so clear, God did this. God did this. Who is this person? Why would he email me? Who over there told him to email me? What an amazing thing. And so we had even more joy in seeing God's beautiful, miraculous work through that. And it's a perfect fit in every way. And I want you to learn this lesson, church, because I need to learn it more too. Every time we pray persistently, in Jesus' name, God will always give us either exactly what we're asking for, never something less, always either exactly what we're asking for or something even better Better because it'll be bringing us more of the joy, the experience of the Holy Spirit showing Jesus to us. Now, just one little last question before we apply this. You might think, well, then why should we bother praying if he may do something different? Think about it like this. Let's say you've got a need, a longing. There's only three outcomes of this. One is nothing will happen. Okay, that's option one. Number two, exactly what you're longing for will happen. That's number two, number one down here, number two. Number three is something even better than what you're longing for will happen, okay? Now, if you don't pray, which one are you going to get? Number one, right? If you pray, it's either two or three. All right, it's, it's a win or it's an even greater win. Do you see that? That's why you pray. Persistent prayer is never wasted. I mean... Many of you have prayed longer than we have, but I, I know I've prayed for some things for decades. None of those prayers are wasted. None of those are wasted. Pray, pray, pray. Okay, let's apply this. I want you to see from this the impact that persistent prayer can have on your life. God, pour out your Holy Spirit upon me more. 
Fill me with love for the lost. Use me to see people saved. What can that do in your life? Or how prayer can impact your, your brothers and sisters' lives. Lord, provide a job here. Free this person from this area of sin. God, strengthen this person in this big, big decision they're making. Or how your prayers can impact Abu Dhabi. Lord, save people here. Magnify Jesus Christ here. Let your kingdom come here. When we pray persistently for God's name to be hallowed in Abu Dhabi, like by doing this or by doing this, by doing this, we will see God's name hallowed, either in exactly the way we're praying for or in even better ways, which will bring Him even more glory and us even more joy. No prayers wasted. When we pray for God's kingdom to come, Lord, save this person, plant this church, do this, God will either do exactly what we're asking for or something even better because it's going to be bringing us even more joy as we watch Him working. No prayers wasted. When we pray for our daily bread, we will always receive our daily bread, either exactly as we're asking or in an even better way. When we pray for forgiveness, we will always receive fresh assurance, either at the time and the way we're asking for or an even better time and better way. It's never wasted. And when we pray persistently for God to lead us into temptation, we will always be protected from temptation, either exactly the way we're asking or in an even better way which is going to bring us even more joy in the Lord. So Grace Church, I want to call you to hear Jesus' words. Remember God the Father, man of transfiguration. This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. So Grace Church, listen to Jesus. Ask, keep asking, and it will be given to you. Keep seeking, and you will find Keep knocking, and it will be opened to you. Let's stand. I want to pray for us. I pray, Lord, that you would touch all of our hearts now with fresh faith in your promise that it will be given. The door will be opened. We will find I pray for anyone here who's not yet trusting Christ, that you would bring them to faith in Jesus right now, that they would see what a glorious, beautiful Savior you are, and that they would come into the joy of knowing you as Father. So Lord, pour out your grace upon us now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.